This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Sam and William Weggert. This is a father-son combination who are two members of a martial arts-involved family. The family has built a martial arts school, and together, Sam and William have written the modern-day Black Belt. We are here to talk about the journey of martial arts, the mindset, outdoors integration, family values, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, thank you, Sarah. Good to be here. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. So we've already been talking a ton about just like outdoor integration and mindset and schools and values. So I want to know how this kind of even started. How did this journey start for your family? And yeah, just let's kind of dive into that. Yeah, I probably as a father should probably start off on this one since he wasn't here when it all got started. But uh, so my wife and I've been married for about 42 years, and we ended up uh, moving from Colorado to Lynchburg, Virginia. I was going to graduate school there. And uh, we had one child at that point and one on the way when we moved. I was working with the U.S. Forest Service uh, at the time, and I kind of gave that up. I had uh, my religious experience and I wanted to come and get more faith-based training. So we relocated to to Lynchburg, Virginia. And there was a lot of people that said, you moved here from Colorado? That's crazy. And, you know, we had an outdoor life for sure in Colorado. My wife and I, we cross-country skied, we hiked, we backpacked, you know, we did all that. And um, of course, that never stopped when we came to Virginia, because my two favorite states are Colorado and Virginia. We live very close to the Blue Ridge Mountains, and that's a whole nother story. But so we ended up having uh, a total of eight children, and we homeschooled all of them. And um, we, we ended up on some acreage. So outdoors was where the kids spent a lot of their, their energy. You know, we had a large plot of land to take care of and cutting grass and taking care of gardens and all that stuff. But, you know, we, we ended up um, with Samuel here. He's uh, number four, number fifth Five. child. Fifth <laughs> child. Yeah, sorry about that. A lot and... to remember. <laughs> a lot of kids to remember. Right. So uh, we, we ended up seeing an ad uh, at the local martial arts school saying uh, confidence and self-discipline, self-control, and those kind of things on the window. So that was, that was attractive to us because Sam had an abundance of energy. And uh, so he, he ended up, um, we ended up taking him to five free lessons or five low cost lessons, introductory lessons type thing. And um, as we explained in the book that we wrote, he, he really didn't enjoy it. But with eight kids in our family, it was, uh, mom said, no, we've already paid for the first five lessons. You're going to go to all five lessons. 
And so <laughs> eventually he started enjoying that. And if I could just kind of compress the story, um, he ended up working hard in a martial arts program. And the, uh, the owner and the black belt instructor of the school wanted to be uh, a professional bass fisherman. And Sam was young at the time, uh, 15, maybe. Yeah, 15. 15. And, and he approached us as homeschool parents, along with Sam and said, you know, I really think Sam has the potential to, to uh, run this school. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in selling you the school. And that was an interesting proposition because as, we, as a homeschool family, we had a lot of flexibility and we really tried to integrate the, the children with a lot of um, other adults and adult type opportunities, working for contractors and working for um, working in exchange for music lessons for the girls and so forth. So long story short, Sam, we ended up buying the school. Well, Sam did. I co-signed all the notes since he was too young to do that. And um, he learned by, by hard knocks and, and just hard work you know, how to run a school. And he, he ended up, of course, when, when, when your son is uh, the martial arts school owner and the black belt instructor is like, well, we got to get the other kids, the younger kids involved in the martial arts too. And I took lessons from him and long story short, you know, the three siblings that are younger than him all got their black belts. And um, I'll explain some of the details here, but we ended up you know, uh, running that school, starting another one in Charlottesville, Virginia, where the University of Virginia is, and then uh, ended up, uh, Sam ended up investing in schools down in Charlotte, which is where we are right now with the podcast. And he has uh, five schools down here now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's the short story. <laughs> wow. I was doing some reading online and I like saw that like you guys owned a handful of schools, but I didn't realize it got like that big and i mean that's a really cool story about how it came to be yeah well that that's sam he, he's quite the businessman and and uh, i'll let him explain further but during the covid pandemic of course as as you were just explaining your co the covid pandemic drove your school outdoors the covid pandemic drove the up level martial arts program online so now we have uh, nearly 100 students in the up-level at-home academy, which is run by our youngest son, his youngest sibling, William Jr. Wow. Okay. So, so and in the martial arts school, because you said it's four, four of the siblings are involved in this, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Okay. Sam and three younger siblings. And then we have some spouses that are involved as well. So, uh, for example, our, our number seven child, she's a daughter, her husband, uh, is one of the directors of one of the schools here in, in uh, North Carolina as well. So it's kind of a family affair, at least for the bottom half of the eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I kind of want to also hear from Sam about like, so when you were a kid, like you were a little reluctant to do some of this martial arts. Is that kind of how the story went? Was I reluctant to do it? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I would say for sure, initially, at least. I mean, my mom put me in and it was for the confidence and the discipline. And and uh, I told her, don't take me back. After I went to my first class, I was shaking and I cried my first class. And I was, you know, 12, 13, but I was just real shy growing up. And so, um, I, but then the second, my mom had already paid for the lessons and we were all allowed one activity. And so that activity was martial arts for me. And she said, well, you're, you're finishing at least the three lessons that I paid for, right? So I went back to my second class and I met a little girl in class. She was like super talented and like could drop into a full split. And I just had like 
like an instant crush on her. And I was like, okay, like I'll come back to karate. And it was really all because of this, this, this girl that was in class. And so, but that got me hooked. I wanted to, I wanted to like be better than her, you know, and then train harder than her. So I was definitely reluctant initially. And then there was this crush that, that got me going. <laughs> and then uh, after that, it kind of, it kind of took on, like I, I took a liking to my instructors and the other students in the school. And then had this opportunity to like run the business and uh, that was kind of my way of like being somebody, you know, like, okay, I can prove to my parents, I can prove to my family, I can prove that I can be successful, you know, I can be an entrepreneur. And uh, I was just so young to start that journey. Right. I mean, that's really long. Like before, before that opportunity was given to you, did you ever have a drive to own any form of business? No, I, I really didn't. And the truth is, I didn't even know that like really existed as, as an option. But I was always, even as a young kid, I was always very future focused. So I would look in the classified ads for like, what's the highest paying jobs I could get, you know? Like, and then I would just like look in the newspaper and then I would, um, but I was going to a, a school in Virginia at the time, just uh, online. I was, I was like duly enrolled high school and then college courses. And uh, I, you know, dad was talking to me about be becoming an engineer or an actuary and like I was good at math. So that was the direction I was on. And this just kind of came out of the blue. Um, but we stayed open to it. I mean, that's, there's a lesson there, right? Just like staying open to the opportunities that are that are all around you. Uh, I was blessed, though, to have a dad who was like, sure, I'll loan you the money. It's like $15,000 to buy this little school in this little town. But it was a big, you know, but he had to sign a big lease, too, for like five years. So he believed in me so much as a 15 year old. Like I, if I had a 15 year old, I don't think I would, I don't know if I'd believe in them that much to like loan them money and do all of that. Like, so it was, uh, you know, between my dad and my martial arts instructor who was like, like, you can do this, you could run this. Truthfully, he just, you know, he wanted to leave, but he had a huge belief in me too. Uh, and that was a, that was a cool thing. And so is like the martial arts mindset somehow tied to how you believed that Sam was capable to do that? I think one one of the philosophies that we had when we were raising the question. Uh, yeah, one of the philosophies we had when raising the kids is to say yes to life's opportunities unless you have a compelling reason to say no. And and then also the idea that as a 15-year-old, what's a better time to fail if you're going to fail? I mean, don't <laughs> fail when you're 55. It could be get catastrophic. You know, I have to I have to admit when I drove down to I think Raleigh where the commercial yeah, Raleigh um, the commercial company the, the commercial property company the property management company for this commercial um, shopping center next to a Food Lion um, grocery store is like I've never signed a commercial lease in my life don't don't they like sue you for everything you're worth if you can't make payments I was nervous about that but it was like we'll do everything we can to set Sam up for success. And he took it and ran with it. So it was a combination thing. It was like, okay, I, I can't come up with a compelling reason to say no. He's good. And uh, we'll support him in any way we can. And uh, I think he's going to be able to make a go of it. And uh, never really thought about, at that point, thought about like, hey, this could be a career for like four kids who, you know, who have the opportunity to, to do what you do, which is to teach others, yeah. influence families, take them to a new level. And, you know, I think Sam and I would both realize it's not about martial arts per se. It's about who you become in the process, because most of the people that go through martial arts, they're there for a season, uh, however long that is, maybe five, maybe two, maybe three to get a black belt. It might be six, seven, eight years to get second degree, third degree black belt. But everybody's there for a season. And, and our goal is to help them what we call uplevel their life. And that's the name of the, the martial arts program, Uplevel Martial Arts. And so when people are coming to your program, are they usually coming in from having like facing really challenging situations in life? And are they like looking for a way to process their emotions or is it just 
I mean, I, I'm guessing it's people from all different walks of life. Yeah, it's actually one of the beautiful things about martial arts is that it does attract people from all walks of life. I mean, it's people who, you know, it's adults who uh, watched Karate Kid that just never had a chance to take it and now they want to, right? So it's like that. Or yeah, big reason is, you know, maybe parents are struggling with their kids having ADD or ADHD, tons of energy, and they just want them to learn some discipline to build their confidence and then be able to channel some of that energy into positive, positive ways instead of destructive ways, whether that's bullying or whatever's going on, right? Just positive role models. Like parents will just be like, Hey, we just need our kid to have more positive role models. And so we really vet our instructors. We make sure that they're, you know, the types of people that you would want your kid to become. It's one of our greatest compliments is when our, the parents of the children in our program say something like, man, if my, if my son could just become like, you know, your instructors, like that's the, you know, just to give them something to look forward, just to, to, to look up to someone to look up to that's doing good things in life. So um, yeah, it's really is. I mean, hopefully that flushes it out a little bit. Confidence probably is the biggest reason along with discipline, why kids get enrolled. And then uh, a lot of the parents, are, what's unique about our school, and this comes from my homeschooling background, my dad never wanted us to have just you know, age segregated experiences, like just around, he, he wanted us to be around younger people and be around older people. And so we adopted that mentality into the martial arts. And so all of our classes are our family classes. We could have a five-year-old and a 55-year-old in the exact same class. And it's a, it's a, it creates this beautiful family environment. Everybody's training to earn their black belts together and it's challenging for everybody. And um, so I forgot where I was going with that. Basic, basically, yes, this idea. Oh, and then adults, the adults do it too. That's where I was going with that. And they do it for physical fitness and they do it for self-defense. Those are the two biggest reasons why an adult is going to enroll, but they could be in the same class. So it really creates this beautiful environment. And a family experience. <laughs> and a family experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when you talked about ADHD and so forth, um, sir, I'm sure you can relate to this. We have a section in our book that says, you know, if you think that um, kids screaming at the top of their lungs, hitting people and jumping up and down and spinning around, are things that people uh, that, that children get in, get in trouble for. Uh, that's exactly what we do in martial arts in a controlled environment. Safely, so, yeah, safely. safely, right. <laughs> so that, it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, that list is a, is a list that uh, under a controlled, um, maybe academic setting or something, kids would probably, you know, you don't hit people. But in martial arts, you jump up and down, you scream at the top of your lungs, you hit people and you hit learn things. to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah, hit things. things and so forth. So <laughs> and, and it's not like we're, it's, it, this isn't like a, um, a kind of fighting based martial arts right, program. Right, right. This That's is all about, you know, just, just becoming a better version of yourself using martial arts as a platform. So, but self-control meditation is a piece of it. We've brought in, in the last few years, even with COVID, we kind of dove even deeper in our classes to meditate. So self-control breathing meditation is a huge piece of it too. And how, when, and how to use your skills if you needed to, you know, but self-control is even the first lesson they'll learn. Right. Well, I mean, I can picture this being like, yeah, I have, I've had some preschool students whose families tell me, yeah, we're putting them in karate to get their energy out. And it does make a lot of sense that because these are the kids that are coming to class that are bouncing off the walls that want to be hitting their peers and that just need a more controlled environment to do those to their peers, essentially. <laughs> It's true though. It's true. Like, right. It's just to, to have the knowledge behind it and the proper training behind it, it. It helps them really understand how they can get that out in a positive way. Like, okay, hitting a pad maybe, or throwing a, on a pad, but then, you know, 
like the first lesson they learn is just an attention stance, like bringing their feet together, hands by their side, standing super still, you know, and they learn to show respect with, with a bow. And it's just some of these basic life skill lessons that then carry over into everything else that they're doing. Right. Well, and so have you had students that have like stuck with you from like super young up until being adults? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, we started, so I'm 30. So we started, I started when I was 15. So I've been teaching at some level for 15 in different cities. And I'd say the oldest student we have with us, I mean, there's, I have one student that's been with me since 15, (laughs) since I was 15. So 15 years. Yeah. That's pretty amazing because I don't have a ton that have stuck to me quite that long. Cause that goes through lots of stages of a kid's life. Usually you got college and high school and jobs in there, but um, we have one adult student that I trained for a while. That's, that's been with us through all those years. Uh, he started as an adult and he's still an adult now, just an older adult, <laughs> but we, yeah, we have a lot of kids who have been with us six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Um, and it's beautiful to watch the transformation and watch them grow up and see how they apply all this stuff in life. Right. Because I mean, like you guys have been talking about, there's so much more to like the physical aspect. There's so much mindset to it all as well. And I'm curious too, like with like bringing in the outdoors, like how has this helped you guys in some of your outdoor experiences? Hmm. That's a really good question because I know your podcast, your, 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 your mission is to get people outdoors and to help them to appreciate that. And I guess, and a lot of it is mindset. Right, 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 right. right. So I don't know. um, I think I explained to you earlier that my wife and I have walked the Appalachian Trail and and Sam has gone with us on quite a bit of that. And uh, we're currently walking the Colorado Trail and you've been out with us for a couple of years doing that as well. So we love backpacking. We love being outdoors. And uh, there's no question that uh, we have another uh, Sam's younger brother. Anytime he gets outdoors, he's always doing some kind of pose on some kind of mountaintop that scares the bejeebers out of me because you know they'll have kicks where they're balancing on one one foot and the other foot's way up in the air and it's like one false move and you know you're off the edge of the mountain so um integration with outdoors let's see what else can we say <laughs> no i mean we, we started doing a lot obviously through covid we oh, uh, yeah. transitioned to a lot of outdoor classes and that was an interesting way i, I was thinking you know I was thinking more about the integration in martial arts of just a lot of a lot of what you learn in martial arts is designed to calm uh, your mind and kind of calm your spirit and just bring a certain amount of like centeredness to your life. And um, I think the same experience, that's the same experience we get when we're outside. It's um, it's very similar. And I think in how we approach it, I, I don't know, I'm reading a book called Comfort Crisis right now, and it's just talking about the benefits of being outside even for 20 minutes a day and going for a walk. So, you know, we teach inside, I guess, probably the majority of the time, but the times where we can take the students outside or we'll go for a run, a lot of our black belt tests are outside. A lot of our black belt physical fitness tests are outside. Um, and, and, and I just feel like a lot of the benefits you mentioned mindset, like I feel like a lot of the benefits are similar, maybe, maybe not the exact same way that we get it, you know, it's, but, uh, but similar and just how it brings you calm and centeredness and peace. And, and that's, a, that's honestly a big goal of martial arts. You know, it's not just, it's uh, people think of martial arts and fighting. It's just not, it's, it's not really about that, you know? Well, sure. And just like being calm and centered, like you're saying, because I think like anytime when you're outdoors and maybe like doing a hike, like maybe out on the Appalachian trail or the Colorado trail, there's, there's going to be areas that are going to be really challenging, like some really hard trails, some really hard hikes, maybe some really crappy weather. Yeah. And like how you're perceiving all that is, is going to be your mindset. So I, I can imagine that martial arts has somewhat like 
helped you guys process those when you're out doing some form of hiking or whatever outdoor adventures you're doing, standing on cliffs? <laughs> yes. You, you made a beautiful connection that, you know, is definitely there. We And, and I, I didn't really think about that, but the idea in martial arts of, of pressing through the boundaries, pressing through the barriers, getting to the next level, always involves some kind of challenge, always involves some kind of pain. Um, and you don't get from a white belt to a black belt without enduring the pain, without pressing through the, the difficulties and so forth. And Sam and I, and, and my, my wife, his mom, um, we were in, on the Colorado trail not too long ago. And the biggest thing for me, on any hiking experience is I can handle the cold but it's the rain that really gets me. And when you're, when you're up in addition to the cold, right? You're right. When you're at 11,000 feet, which is where we were 11 or 12,000 feet, it starts to rain. And okay. That's when you really test your equipment. That's when you find out, you know, if your rain gear is really rain gear or, or whether it just uh, looks like rain gear until it starts raining, you know? And so here we were Colorado trail heading towards uh, Monarch pass and uh, it starts to pour down rain. And if I, we had lightning, we had wind, we had thunder. It was like, we just, we just, we just got to get to safety. This is not a good thing. And, and yet that, that, that black belt mindset is you, you got to press through. You can't stop at that point. You, you've got to endure hardship in order to reach the goal. And you know, by the time it was all done, <laughs> by the time it was all done, it's like, that was a really cool experience. Oh yeah, that was really cool. But when you're in the midst of it, it's like, that's painful. You know, that's scary. Right. And so good point, Sarah. Good point. Well, yeah. And, you know, I really thought of that when I was, I was kind of paging through your guys's book and it was on page 40. There was this quote that said, um, doubts are like excuses and their ability to hinder your progress. Okay, and yeah. I mean, we've taken people out on trails, like for their first time for their first hike. And they're just yeah. like, this is really hard. I, I can't do this, but it's, it's just the mindset. It's the doubt you, you can do it. You just have to start at maybe a slower pace and work your way up and it's hindering. You can't be hindering your progress. you got to just start where you're at. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of power in, in what you're describing and just to terms of you mentioned, you're taking people out on a hike. Like you're almost like their outdoor mentor. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and that's maybe one of the things that martial arts has as well that's maybe a little bit unlike a traditional basketball team or, you know, you, you really get a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Martial arts is such an individual thing, similar to being outside, right? It's, it's, uh, it's you and how well you can perform, but then just like in martial arts, you also have this, you know, this instructor, this coach, this teacher, that's just kind of like giving you that gentle pull, that gentle push to like, Hey, this is not going to kill you. This for, you know, your example, this, this hike is not going to kill you. Let's keep going. Right. Similar in martial arts. Like you're going for a test or you're testing for another belt. You know, there's belt ranks on your way up to black before you become a black belt. And, uh, so I think one of the lessons there is just, man, if you can get around, uh, good people that are willing to push you, that are willing to tell you the truth and willing to uh, challenge you, whether it's in the outdoor space, the martial arts space, um, there's a lot of power in that. Mm. Yeah, because martial arts in itself really is like a solo sport, wouldn't you say? Right. It really, truly is. I mean, you could be on teams that are competitive, but even competition teams, you know, to a large extent, unless you're doing like a choreographed routine, you know, would be like the one thing that might be like, hey, we all need to be together at the exact same time. But other than that, it's going to be very individual, you know, but we call we call it a community sport, community sport in yes. the sense that there's so much of the culture, Sarah, yeah, that's true. Uh, that that really comes to bear upon 
let's say the behavior of a, of a child who's acting out. And there's so many times where you have a child who's been acting out, gets into the environment. And at first they, they have no idea what's going on, but all they can do is look around and see how others are acting. Right. And, and then eventually, and because the, the peer pressure is in the right direction and because the expectations are there and the community support is there, that child will eventually get it right. And start to maybe slowly mouth the words of yes, sir. And no, sir, or, or whatever, and start to slowly go through the motions. And eventually they kind of get into the groove. And, and it's like that community um, culture, community pressure, community environment, community expectations are all, part of that that actually changed the behavior. So um, we say that in the book, of course, the idea that, okay, a lot of times parents want to get their kids into competitive sports. And I was there, Sam was soccer, all the kids, the boys played soccer and so forth. And, and there's some really positive things that go on there. But in those kind of sports, there's winners and losers. It's age segregated. So you're competing with and against people your own age. You have a winning season or a losing season et cetera, et cetera. But with martial arts, it's like you are competing against the previous version of yourself, right? Who are you in the process of becoming? And so that's your biggest competition, even though we do have competition from time to time, let's say every six weeks or eight weeks, there's a tournament or every three months and so forth. But that that's to give the, the athletes, uh, the students an opportunity to really have something to shoot for. You know, it's not so much to get, okay, who's the winner here? Who's the best? You know, it's like, how can you prepare to become a better version of yourself than you were, you know, for the last tournament? Right, right. I mean, it's just, and, and it all, it's all going back to your own mindset. And I can see how that just like integrates so much and can be applied to so many aspects of a person's life. Right. Well, you just reminded me of something uh, in the conversation. So this last year, <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing. This last year, we, we met Sam uh, on the top of, of Cottonwood Pass, where we were going to start hiking south on the Colorado Trail. And that is some of the most rugged, some of the most beautiful, some of the most coldest section. And, and we got up there and we spent the night in a van uh, and slept there ready to go the next day. And I knew the weather wasn't favorable, right? And yet we had planned this trip and it was time to head south. We had the backpacks, we had the food, we had everything prepared. And we get out of the van and I say, I don't want to go. The weather is not good. This is, this is Mount, you look around, it's like all wilderness. It was like awesome in, in a horrible sense. It was like overwhelming to me. There was so many clouds. It was, I was so cold. I don't have a lot of body fat on me. Uh, I probably couldn't survive up in, you know, your neck of the woods. I'd get cold easily. And I'm just thinking, they're predicting bad weather. Let's head back to flatland. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and Sam was there and my wife was there and they said, nope, nope. <laughs> so we started heading up the mountain because it was, we had to get higher from the pass before we got lower. And I'm so glad we did that. If I had had my way, we would have missed out on some of the most beautiful country in the entire state of Colorado. It was unbelievable on the Colorado trail south of Cottonwood Pass, but I didn't want to go. I was seriously saying, let's get back in the van. Let's go down to Buena Vista and we'll just wait this out or forget the whole thing. And the pressure from the community was, no, we're here. We're going to do it. And if you knew my wife, you'd say there's, there was no turning back. I mean, we're just going to do it. We'll make the best of it. If we die, we die. You know, that was, we weren't expecting to do that. I was, yeah. I was scared to death. <laughs> um, but that, that's kind of part of that, what that community will do for you when 
uh, you know, take a, pr a, a perfect example from the outdoors. It's like, okay, I, so I'm so glad we did it. And Sam, is that kind of just always your mindset when you're about to start any sort of hiking adventure, no matter the weather? Um, yeah, I have a very, I have a very go-getter personality when it comes to making those things happen. I can I jump suppose in that's with... why you're the business person. <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to accept a large amount of risk <laughs> for, for an equal amount of reward. Hopefully doesn't always work out that way, but. Well, you could talk about your bicycle accident, Steamboat Springs, right? Uh, doing the jump. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, uh, yeah, maybe this is so, so, so his, his situation that he talked about, you know, the mindset, we were able to, to ease him past his fears and it was safe and it was good. And, and that's great. Right. That's like talks about that. We talked about the concept of having a mentor, having someone there to push you a little bit. That's great. I, I had a situation where, where maybe I need the opposite. Sometimes I need someone to tell me you're going a little too hard. I was doing some downhill mountain biking and steamboat and was taking all the black you know, where you put your bike on the lift and it takes you up to 12,000 feet. And then you just, you just go down as fast as you can through these trails. And I, yeah, like a, a, a death wish sounds like a death wish, the death wish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially black diamonds They're They have these black diamond trails, not, not ski slopes, like for the bikes and they have these huge jumps. And, uh, anyway, I took one, I had this terrible wreck and I slammed my knee and I tore my PCL and it was just this bad, you know, saw stars, the whole thing. And, and there was no one around because they'd shut everything down. I was like the last run of the day. So to your question, yes, I can take unnecessary risks sometimes. And I need someone to kind of pull me. I need that mindset of just someone to kind of pull me back a little bit <laughs> and say, Hey, you don't have to go all in today. Not today, maybe tomorrow, but today you don't have to go all in. So there's a balance here in the whole thing, right? That's exactly right. That's the, that's the black belt, you know, balance is a black belt mindset for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, after hearing that story, like, so when he was 15, well, like, was that kind of why you thought he would succeed at starting to own this black belt school? Like, cause he is such a, I'm going to go for it type person. Did, did he have that, that value back then? Why, yeah. Why did, why did you loan me that money anyway? Yeah. Well, a couple of <laughs> things. One, the instructor who was working with him on a regular basis, I, I, he was a, a good man uh, and, and a man I had come to trust. And so I, I, I kind of had this intuition about people. He wasn't trying to dump the school onto an unsuspecting family. And, and he was, he was truly invested to set Sam up for success. And it wasn't like, once you sign the contract, you know, I'm gone. No, he was there as part of the transition. And then there was another mentor um, that came into the picture as well. Another master black belt um, who, who was also a mentor to Sam as well. And so between parents kind of on the, on the sidelines cheering him and two very successful men um, in martial arts and in business, who were there. And then just knowing Sam and raising him and just believing in him as a young man with tremendous potential, we, we just, we just, we're going to make it work. You know, I think all the stars lined up in that it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult decision where I mean, I, I've had some situations in my life where I, I wrestled with decisions for months and months and months and ended up making a horrible decision. But in this particular case, it was a, it was a quick decision and it was a good decision. And the proof of that pudding was in the eating, uh, just given, you know, where he's gone from there and how the schools are doing and the number of lives that are being impacted and how three other uh, children are making their livelihood and doing quite well, you know, financially and professionally. 
I look back and think that was one of the better decisions I've made. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that decision like really like laid the foundations for like your kid's future. <laughs> you, 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 totally. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You, you, a little decision. You have no idea where. You, know, you might go to a restaurant or go to an event. And that's what I did. I went to an, an uh, adult education class at uh, dance and met my wife. It's like, you don't know how one little event can impact the total trajectory of your life, Sarah. I know you know that, you know, you have a child. I saw a child on your backpack. Do you have one? Yes, we have one right now, but we were expecting a second in May. Oh, Congratulations. In May? Yeah, in May. So they're going to be That's awesome. 17 months apart. <laughs> wow. All right. I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, little decisions, um, but uh, they, they can they can have a, a totally take your life and turn it into in a direction that you have no idea. Like, you know, make one little, one little degree off, you know, 10 feet from now doesn't mean a whole lot, but a thousand miles from now, means a tremendous a lot you know you're just gonna end up in a totally different location but that, that's life right and right. so you got to grab it with gusto you got to say yes to the life's opportunities and and we're on the same page with you outdoors is is a space where you can get some clarity you know because if you're on your technology which is one of the things that, that we try and do in up level martial arts is this is a time for the family to set their technology aside and, and do something together as a family, connecting, building memories, and doing something that doesn't involve a screen, you know, an individual screen, because yeah. we have we have multimedia at the schools um, with screens and so forth. But this, this is an opportunity for the family to get away from the technology. And, you know, when you're outdoors, it's another beautiful opportunity to do what our ancestors have been doing for millennia, right? <laughs> this is just, this phone is like, it's, it's not that old, right? <laughs> It's exactly. Not that old. Let's connect with our history. Well, and you know, like that makes you think about like your phones are half the reason that people's minds are so scattered and going crazy. And maybe that is the reason that people have anxiety and ADHD and ADD and all these things because of technology. So, I mean, think about that. And maybe so many of your, so many of your students that are coming to martial arts are having yes. all this technology input. Oh, yeah. So true. So to do something physical with your family centered around breathing, centered around life skills, it, that is absolutely something that being outdoors and martial arts have in common. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious, has, is your whole family, like all eight of your grown adult children are all of you into the outdoors? Like, do you all ever go out on a hike together? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, that is a really good question. And I'm afraid, Sarah, and this is probably good for your listeners as well, is that um, we took um, a Tim, which is Sam's younger brother, uh, went out with my brother in Colorado, and we went on a hike around Goose Creek Wilderness. And it was like a three night on the trail. And um, I think we, and there's been other situations <laughs> with my youngest son, on the Appalachian Trail, where I think we just pushed them too hard, and they went off a different direction. They they still get outside, but I don't think. I mean, Sam's one of the one of the kid adult children who would go on overnight with us. Some of them would not do that uh, anymore. They they've done their time, 
in my, my wife and I did the Appalachian Trail. I was kind of a backup for her. So I probably ended up doing about half of it, maybe a little bit more. My wife did all 2,200 miles. And we tried to do as much of that with the kids as we could. And so when we went through Shenandoah National Park, which is 100 miles of the Appalachian Trail, uh, our youngest son, William, we really wanted to do it with him. He was still at home at the time. And so long story short, we said, listen, we'll pay you, uh, I think it was a dollar a mile. Maybe, maybe he negotiated up to 200. I think it was two. He, he, he dickered us up to 200, $2 a mile. And so we had, to, <laughs> we had to subsidize his trip. And that was the last trip he went on. And um, I guess maybe, I don't know if I would, how much I would do differently. Um, maybe the first time we started on the Appalachian Trail, it was like a 20 day, a 20 day hike. Um, and my youngest son went along. And I think when I connected with them from time to time, because I was working full time, uh, it was uh, my, my last born son, number eight said, dad, please get me out of here. And I said, well, no, this is a good experience. I think we overdid it. Let's put it that way. Um, and burn him out so that he's now into dance and other things. I, I don't think he'll ever go on a backpacking trip ever again. So I'm glad we, we still have Sam who likes to do that and a few others, but we, I think overdid it on a couple of, of, of youngsters and they just don't appreciate the outdoors as much as we do. Let's put it that way. They'd rather, rather be dancing than hiking in some cases. <laughs> well, when there's eight of them, I mean, having some of them that still want to go do it is pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a regular occurrence for us to get together for Christmas or Thanksgiving and go on a hike, though, even if it's not a long one. It's a regular occurrence where like mom will lead it a lot of times or dad will say, hey, let's go out. We're going to go hiking. So, so it, it does happen. I just want that to be in there for the record. Well, too. Thank you. And, you know, Ma, they'll say, what can we get you for Mother's Day, mom? And mom will say, just come hike come, with me. Just come hiking with us. And so they will go out. And we've had some pretty nice day hikes together. Uh, night hikes. That's one of the things that Sam introduced us to. We were hiking the Appalachian. Uh, yeah, we were doing some mileage on the Appalachian Trail, and we had our flashlights, and we were going to stay overnight. And uh, and and Sam said, it started getting dark. And and Sam said, well, have you guys ever done any night hiking? And I said, no, we usually stop by the time it gets dark. Well, let's just keep on hiking. And had you done night hiking before at that no, point? No. No, we just put on our headlamps and kept on hiking, hiked way into the night. And I thought, this is pretty cool. And so we've had mm, probably six or seven different experiences now on the Appalachian Trail where we've hiked way into the night, whole different world, Sarah, at night, whole different world with your headlamp um, and sometimes fog and the animals. Uh, I think, oh, that's now it, it's, it's just a whole nother world. It's part of the outdoor experience that I would encourage any of your listeners to take advantage of. It's pretty neat. And they do winter hiking at night. That's a whole nother experience. We find that winter hiking, of course, the views are unbelievable because all the leaves are yeah. gone uh, and, and more challenging, staying warm. We had a really cool time a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve and a couple of days before that, the winter hiking. So yeah, a lot of opportunities here in Virginia. I know Minnesota, same with you. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm curious, what are the temperatures when you guys are winter hiking in Virginia? <laughs> the temperatures? Yeah, they're going to sound like summer to you. <laughs> That's okay, what but... I'm thinking. <laughs> It gets to 32 <laughs> degrees down here. <laughs> we're up in the, we're, right, up, fine. You know. we're up in the highlands. Uh, what's the name of the highlands? Uh, Tennessee? The no, Grayson? Grayson, Grayson highlands. highlands. Yeah, Tennessee. where they have the wild ponies and so forth. It was probably in the, in the teens, don't you think? 
Probably, yeah. yeah the high, high well, teens. Wind, maybe if you calculate wind. Yeah, it was it was cold Snow on the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your feet were you're getting cold, and you're wondering how you're going to stay warm and so forth. So yeah, right. But yeah, nonetheless, Still, when, I think she's at a different yeah. level. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we do like a lot of zero degree stuff here. But nonetheless, winter hiking <laughs> with is preschoolers, like, right? <laughs> yes, with preschoolers. That's right. We can we we go outside until if it's negative ten feels like negative 10 or more then we don't go out <laughs> but yeah winter hiking like you're making us is feel great about our accomplishments here well you know at least no winter hiking is beautiful no matter what and that's the yeah, thing is true. like you gotta embrace the weather no matter where you are <laughs> that's right right you know there's another thing about being outdoors it connects you not just with the environment and with the 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 created order but also connect connects me with my past because i'm always reminded that well i told the kids when i said listen for thousands and thousands of years of human history there's been no air conditioning right i had my first air conditioner when i was 16 years old and I moved to a house that had a one window air conditioner in Northern Ohio. Now, granted, it's not as hot there, but air conditioning was just coming into its own, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s. But for most of human history, the vast part of human history, there's been no air conditioning. So how did our, how did our ancestors do it? How do they survive? How do they survive in Canada or Minnesota, for crying out loud? The Indians, the Native Americans lived up there. You know, how did they do it? You know, and for me to be up there at the top of the mountain, shivering, thinking, I don't want to do this. It's like, well, come on, you got to be a little more rugged than that, you know, connect with your past because they've braved a whole lot more, a whole lot more rigorous conditions than you'll ever see in your lifetime. You got a car that's at least within two days of you in most cases or a road (laughs) civilization, you know? So, but it is, it is an opportunity to to realize that we, we've come a long way and we've got a lot of creature comforts that most of humans don't have today around the world and, and did not have for mo- all of human history. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up. I mean, when you go out there, you are kind of removed from all of our comforts of everyday life that our ancestors didn't have. And like you said, somehow they survived and they got through it each day and did it and were... We're very fortunate to have all the comforts that we do have now. Absolutely. Well, it's a good tie into martial arts too, because there's a, there's a lot of uh, tradition, a lot of history that goes Tons. back to when they Tons. didn't, they didn't have guns, you know, it's all about how do we defend ourselves or go against the, the superior power with what we've got available, whether it's a sickle or a staff or, you know, something. Or your bare hands. Uh, <laughs> your bare hands. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Can you go into that a little bit more? Just like a snippet of the history of martial arts? I mean, yeah. So karate uh, comes from Japan and uh, it's, you know, it's the way of the fist. It really, um, karate means empty hand. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hand without weapons. You're not having a weapon necessarily. And uh, there's lots of theories about how it originated and there's lots of you know, there's lots of styles and they all have these different origins of how they supposedly originated. But, the, but one of the ones that is, is most common is, you know, J- Japan is a very mountainous, uh, uh, you know, country. And, and there was, uh, there's this, this island off the coast of Japan, uh, Okinawa, 
And the, uh, the villagers there, Japan would raid Okinawa a lot of times for their crops because it was flatter and it was easier to grow food. And so they kind of just enslaved the people. They did whatever they want. So finally, the Okinawans just said, you know what, we've got to, we've got to defend ourselves, and uh, we are going to come up with all kinds of ways to defend ourselves. So they, they took a lot of their, you know, and, and I'm really talking about more of the weapon systems, but they took a lot of their, their, uh, their farming tools. And they turned them into weapons and learned how to use them to protect themselves and their families and their and their crops. And so, you know, there's there's that story times a uh, hundred on different parts and how it came about. But really, you know, there's a style um, that came from Brazil that that really started off as uh, it was a martial art, and then it turned into break dancing. It's called capoeira, and it's a it's a style of martial art that's very fluid and you know, the, 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 the story goes, you know, they weren't allowed to practice martial arts because uh, the powers that be didn't want, you know, their subjects learning how to defend themselves. So they, they disguised it as a dance, but really it was like self-defense moves, but it was a dance. And that became the foundations. Capoeira became the foundations of modern day breakdancing. Cause it's like this fluid moment, but it's got a lot of self-defense implications. If you really think about it and you break it down. So, um, but yeah, ultimately it was designed as a self-defense art. It was just designed as a way to protect yourself and to handle yourself. And then it kind of evolved as a, as a path to become a master of life. Sure. And like you said, there's so many different forms of it. Martial arts, like there's like Tons. karate, jujitsu, like all this. So yes. at, at your school, what is the focus of the martial arts you're teaching? Are you doing all of the different forms? Yeah, it's, it's no, I mean, there's no way you could do all the different forms. I mean, literally there's probably thousands of iterations of martial arts. And the crazy part about it is because it's not like a heavily regulated thing, it, it, every instructor that teaches it could change it and then they could name it their own style. And so now they call something different, right? They call it something different, but um, you know, Bruce Lee was famous for Jeet Kune Do, which was really just a, a blend. He just, he was kind of this guy that was like, well, I like a little bit of this and I like a little bit of that. And he wasn't a real traditionalist, you know, to the, and, and so, and so that's really what we do. We, we do the same thing Bruce Lee does in the sense that we take a little bit from a bunch of different styles, but the three main ones you've probably heard of Taekwondo. Taekwondo is a lot of, it, it actually comes from Korea and it, it, it it's, um, there's a lot of kicks, uh, in Taekwondo. So it's like, a, it's like kickboxing. Then there's Aikido. If you ever watched like a Steven Seagal movie, it's a lot of redirection. It's based on circles. It, it takes uh, the enemy's momentum and kind of uses it against them. So you're not hitting in that style. You're more like, Hey, come with me. And then I'm going to redirect you, you know, to the ground instead of, you know, your punch was coming at me. So there's that. And there's a style the third one, so it's Taekwondo, Aikido, and then if there was a third one, it'd be Krav Maga. Krav Maga is um, an Israeli form of fighting that's extremely hardcore, and people like it because it's very, um, it's what they teach the Israeli military, and it's it's very, it's good for self-defense, and it's obviously an amazing workout if you really are training it, and it's a lot of elbows, it's a lot of knees, it's a lot of strikes, um, and really just things you would use if someone, if you were on the street and you had to protect yourself. Um and so those, we kind of blend those three styles together and, and a mixture of a ton of other ones. And that makes what we call American freestyle karate. Really, really we've adapted it. I mean, we've created our own called up-level martial arts It's truthfully like another style in the thousands of styles, but it's, but it's our unique style because we've been able to blend it and create it and teach what we feel like is valuable to our students for this day. And for this age, which is self-defense, you know, physical fitness and life skills that they'll be able to use, even if they never have to defend themselves. That's really what we're trying to accomplish. I hope that was a good, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it totally did. I mean, it just kind of shows that you can kind of like 
create what you want it to be. Cause there's, there's so many aspects of it. Like you've, right. you guys have so really true. kind of created what you think is most important and have put that into your schools. Right. Yeah. And it's evolved. It's been over fun time for you. It's it? evolved over time. And yeah. we're even this year, we're going to like update our curriculum based on feedback we get from our students, based on how we see that we're teaching our students. I mean, just like you, right. It's like, you just update, you evolve. You're like, okay, wait, the kids aren't getting it this way. We want to see more of this. I mean, literally just since COVID, we added in meditation. Like we started doing small little snippets of just, you know, and nothing crazy, just like basic breathing exercises, right. How to kind of connect to your body a little bit more to take deeper breaths. And like that, now that, I mean, that's, that's not technically a martial art, but it's a big piece of martial arts, right? Breathing and connecting. And so um, we're big on, and I tell the story in, in the book that my dad and I wrote together, you know, I kind of went on this journey of like, just personal development. I want to, you know, I, I studied under Anthony Robbins, who's like a big self-help motivational speaker guy, right? I, you know, we were, we were raised in a very religious environment. So I studied from the spiritual you know, teachers, I, I pursued meditation, I've done silent retreats in Mexico, I've, you know, I just kind of was like, and then I just tried to bring all that together into like this idea of becoming a modern day black belt, like modern day black belt is really just a person that's, that's trying to be, um, that's building their mindset, you've mentioned mindset a bunch, I mean, it's trying to build their mindset, it's trying to be the best version of themselves, and that's always trying to improve. You know, when we talk about having a black belt attitude or a black belt mindset, it's really just someone trying to get better, someone, you know, growing. And so it was really just me taking all these different walks of life you mentioned and just kind of combining them into martial arts. And that's why we were able to take some meditation and some life skills and all these different things and some, we teach goal setting, right? Like even just basic like stuff, right? Um, but, but really good. And we teach it at a, at a young age. It, which is, which is really cool. So we, you know, we lay our head down to, to bed every night. We know we've made a difference in someone's lives and that's ultimately what drives us into, and just growing and impacting more people as well. Yeah. And so you mentioned modern day black belt, which is the title of your guys's book you wrote. So where did that whole idea come about to write this book together? Cause it kind of seems like it's, there's all these question prompts in the book. Are you guys like talking to parents in that book or what, what, what was your goal with when you went out to write this book? Well, let me address the yeah. first, the first question. Um, I know that was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. The, there are two questions <laughs> there. Good. Yeah. I, I say in the book, my, my wife, uh, in fact, right now, she's probably down there doing this. She carries around a book called black belt Sudoku. And, and, and you don't, might not know a thing about Sudoku. I don't know a thing about Sudoku. I have no interest in Sudoku, but whatever you can say about it, that she's probably pretty good at it because she's she's uh, she's carrying around and working with a book called Black Belt Sudoku. If she was a green belt or white belt or yellow belt, you say, oh, she's probably trying to figure it out. But people associate black belt with the highest level of something, right? And excellence. So, yeah, the highest level of, of excellence in a particular yeah. area of life. And so the idea that um, the black belt is part of striving for excellence and then Sam came up with the concept of, of uh, listen, black belts kind of is, is, is part of an ancient tradition of martial arts, something we've talked about, but what does that mean? How do you, how do you bring that forward to the present day? And so that's where the concept modern day black belt came from. And then when we started thinking through some of the concepts that, that we put into place with the homeschooling program and, and other things, and then 
what Sam has developed being a fifth degree black belt and, and running his own school for a decade and a half or longer and building out several schools, it was like, okay, there's a lot of life skill stuff here. There's a lot of stuff for parents, whether they homeschool or whether they send their kids to public school, they all have the same needs. They want their kids to grow up to be successful. They want their kids to have self, to, uh, to self-respect and confidence in what they're doing. They want them to have a certain level of fitness and, and to be able to interact with others and so forth. And we just see so much of those life skills. I mean, there's kids that come into the program and, and you know, they can't even look you in the eye. And then when I see them at graduation and they'll have some of the, some of the, the youth out there greeting people when they come into the gym, because we usually rent a gym for graduation and looking at you now, hello, Dr. Wiegert, how are you doing today? And shaking my hand with a firm handshake and say, that's the same kid that had a weak handshake and couldn't look me in the eye, couldn't even talk. And now he's addressing me by name and shaking my hand firmly and looking me square in the eye. How did he get from point A to point B? Well, the martial arts as a platform has, has done that. And I think we just multiply that across society and all the other things that we talk about in the book that martial arts brings to individuals and families. It's like, we got a message. We want to get the message out. And you can welcome to add to that. If you want. No, I, th I thought that was, I thought that was really great. What was the original question again? My brain was going off in so many different directions. Yeah, you know, I mean, I there there was two original questions. I yeah, I think it was um, where you like where did that title come from? And then I I don't know. I think just like yeah, where did the idea about writing this book come from? Yeah, like that too. Like what was like so? Did you guys? At what point did you decide you should write this book together? Like because this is a new book, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I think, we just launched it last year. We just launched it six months ago to right. our to our community. Sam's always wanted to write a book, you know, okay. and he wrestled with various subjects and various titles, you know. Um, yeah. And maybe could share some of those. But then we just started. I read a first draft of what he put together and said, yeah. okay, I think we can we can add some things as your father that I know that you might not have thought about and add a whole lot of examples because it was a lot of good content. Yeah. But we started working in illustrations and, and uh, applications, martial arts applications to all the concepts that are in there. So like every section shows how martial arts integrates with the principles that are being taught, at least it's either in the ancient tradition of martial arts or in how it's practiced with up-level martial yeah. arts, right? I think that the title is just the title actually came from one of my staff members that runs one of our schools. He's a former NFL player and he runs one of our schools now. Uh, and he was just sitting there with us in a meeting one day. And he was like, we were just having this big group, like team discussion about, you know, what do we, you know, the, the essence of what we're trying to teach our students. And he just threw out the term. He was like, I think it's like becoming a, a modern day black belt. And we were all like, Oh, we love that. Right. Cause it's not a fighter. It's not someone who's going to be good at the UFC, which is the ultimate fighting championship with blood and guts and all, you know, it's like crazy. I'm like, no, that's not it. It's, it's, it's something more than that. So that was, I mean, originally that's the real story of how we got the title. And I was like, that's the concept. So we started to just teach that concept to our students. You know, you're a black belt, even when you don't have a uniform on, you're a black belt. You need to act like a black belt, even when you don't have the belt around your waist. Like, don't just show up to the martial arts school and act all like a black belt would in life, like be a modern day black belt. And that means you're going to show up like a black belt at school, not fighting, <laughs> you know, but like show up with that same attitude, that perseverance, that discipline, that confidence, that respect, 
show up like a black belt at home, show up like a black belt with your friends. When they pressure you to do something, you know, you shouldn't do, you know, have that confidence to back away or go do something, you know, all these different things. And that, that was just encompassed in that term for us. So that's kind of what we preach in the, what we promote and preach in the book is just that mindset, this idea that you're a black belt everywhere you go, no matter what. Um, and it was a beautiful partnership between my dad and I, I kind of threw some of the main concepts at the wall and he took them and he refined them and he added stories to them. And so, uh, arguably he did way more work than I ever did on the book, but it was really a beautiful thing to work on it with him. And it's, uh, something we'll have for the rest of our life. It's a legacy piece, right? Yeah. Our publicist said it's a legacy piece. <laughs> right. Just like, here you go. It will never go away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was paging through it and it just, yeah, it seems like there's some really like valuable life skills that people can take away from it. I mean, just like talking about challenges and commitments and values and like you present some, some good questions to people. Yeah. We wanted it to be, you asked about that actually, like, what are all the questions? Who is it for? I mean, it's for the, it's, it's, it's definitely not, we, we'd like to come up with like a kid's version, like a 13 and younger version, because it is heavy. It's a little heavier. So we, we realized after we kind of put it all together that it was maybe a little bit, um, but, but we just said, you know what, we're, yeah, it's for the older students that we have. It's for the adults that we have. It's for people who are interested, parents who are interested in learning about what martial arts does for their kids, what martial arts can offer and what it can, how it can benefit them. But uh, we just, we just believe in action. Like there's just something about, you know, there's just something about learning intellectually, but then when you have to then regurgitate it and write it down and answer questions and get, it just gets it in your body at a deeper level. And that was a lot of what I learned. And for someone who, you know, had a lot of energy, probably undiagnosed ADD, it was just like, I need that tactile, like, oh, let's write this down. Okay. Let's take this action. Like it can't just be feeding me information. I need to, I need to work with it. And that's what we do in martial arts. And that's what we were trying to do with all those questions. And the fact that it looks like a workbook. <laughs> we, we say that you're the co-author, the reader uh, is the co-author yeah, of the, the book, right? So it's not a martial arts book. I, maybe for your listeners, it's not a martial arts book. It's a book basically about life and how martial arts can, can support your goals and enhance your goals and so forth. So whether a family, I guess being a homeschooling family, we had a lot of opportunities that a parents uh, who let's say single parents or parents who are both working and so forth may not have the opportunity, but we suggest that getting your your young uh, your children into a martial arts a good martial arts program or, or perhaps in our at home academy the up level at home academy is ways to to provide some of the benefits that homeschooling families have in large measure, which is age integration, not age segregation, which is physical activity, um, help them with the, with their energy output. Uh, integrate learning with physical activity. You, you talked earlier in our conversation before the recording, maybe that, that uh, there's a lot of studies out there that show that, that learning and the outdoors, uh, learning outdoors can enhance the learning process. And, and you know, as well as an educator, that physical activity that's melded together with learning uh, has an opportunity to, to enhance both really. And then we also talk about the information age and how it is that, that information is, is doubling on an unbelievably rapid pace. So what facts should you memorize to be successful? Or is it more a question of learning to think critically and learning where to find the information and having the discipline and the confidence and the wherewithal to go out and get what you need in order to be successful at life and to fulfill your goals. And so we talk about that in the book as well. Yeah. Cause you know, I like when I was paging through the book, I was like, this is almost like a book that you would find in like the self-help section of the library or something almost. Cause there's just like so much to it and so many like thought provoking questions that 
it's it's not just like sharing what is martial arts it's really right. yeah right. diving into things so i was like oh this is like self-discovery book <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. We, you bring interesting ideas. Should we send a copy to put in your school library? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> for the preschoolers. I, for the parents. For the, for the parents, right. For the parents, oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. You you totally hmm. should. We have parent education classes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, we totally will. Let's make sure we get your address. Yeah, right. you totally should send us a copy. That'd be awesome. Of course, we will. We yeah, will. I think a lot of parents would benefit from this. And like I said, I, I know parents who put their kids in martial arts because their kids are so high right. energy. So right. yeah, I would love to share this book with some families. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of things. Where should people where should people go if they want to find more information about up level, find more information about modern day black belts? Yeah, I think I think uplevelmartialarts.com is probably the best place to go. They can order the book from through there. Um, they can find out about our concepts, how we teach. We do have the up-level at-home academy. So any family that's interested in, in working with up-level, um, we do have lessons that are available. And I was just talking with uh, our son, uh, who's the director of the at-home academy. And families are really enjoying the opportunity. And, and so much has gone digital and online uh, since 2020 that... Uh, this is just no exception. There are obviously some limitations to what you can do, but we have a lot of families that are just really getting into the martial arts training and the other components that Sam has talked about, including the discipline, including the life skills, which is part of our curriculum, including the meditation um, and the illustrations and so forth that, that uh, are brought out every week as well in, in the um, recorded lessons that have a, a live instructor that's part of that watching the students on zoom. So the up-level at home Academy is an opportunity for families in Minnesota or anywhere who are listening to the, to your podcast, Sarah. Yeah. I think that's great that you guys offer the online version. Cause like you said, that's kind of, that's our world now and people need community more than ever right now. Right. Hugely. Amen. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you guys. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of conversation. This was fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah, and hope to see you sometime on the trail. Yeah, definitely. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.